0: This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Let's get real. This is America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Hello and welcome to America WK. It's great to be back with you. My name is Andrew W.K., and I'm very excited, have a lot of things I want to think about with you today, and I want to jump right into it before getting to the other topics I have in mind. I want to jump right into depression, which is actually where we left off on our last episode. Most of episode four was focused on this massive topic, so it's no wonder that I wasn't able to cover everything that I wanted in our somewhat limited time. But here we are at episode five, and I want to go right back into it because there was a, an idea that we touched on briefly, but I wanted to flesh out. In case you aren't aware, I am someone who's struggled or let me say dealt with depression. It has at times been a struggle. At other times, it has just felt like something I'm dealing with. But every type of bad feeling that I can think of, sadness, anger, uh, frustration, confusion, disillusionment, hopelessness. I can sum all those up into just a general bad feeling that is probably best labeled as depression. Now, we were talking in the last episode about different ways to look at those sensations because they really are not moods, at least as I felt them. Not like a mood I would initially imagine a mood to feel. These are physical Sensations much more than they are mental sensations or even emotional sensations. There's a physical power to sadness of this sort that you really feel from the outside in and the inside out, up and down and all over, right up to the very surface of your being. It is so complete of a feeling that it occupies every part of yourself that can feel. So it is your body and it is also your mind. It's actually quite indescribable. But if you felt your own version of this, and I'm sure you're familiar with somewhat of what I'm trying to describe here, it eludes even my best ability after all these years to really put it into words. I can only kind of hint at the sensation. And actually right now, today, I happen to feel pretty good uh pretty great, pretty good and great. <laughs> and that's the strange thing about depression. When I'm not feeling that way, it's rather hard to even recall exactly what it feels like. It's sort of like trying to picture what a flavor tastes like. I can sort of conjure up the surrounding sensation, but not the actual core taste of a flavor I can imagine and remember what vanilla feels like to a degree but the root of that feeling what makes vanilla actually vanilla I can't really describe or even recall without experiencing it in the moment for better or worse for for the better when it comes to depression perhaps for the worse when it comes to something like vanilla because I really like that flavor but when talking about depression I think there is a real sense of pain and that is something that you've probably heard other people say, whether you have ever felt that kind of pain, it is a physical pain. It's a pain that goes beyond physical. In fact, if you've ever gotten a bad sunburn, that can be a very full body pain. But imagine that sunburn inside your bones. Imagine that sunburn inside your mind. Imagine that sunburn inside your very soul. And then imagine it 10 times more painful. Depression for me is a physical sensation much like that. But uh, it's coming from your spirit to a degree. You can tell it's not really who you are, it's something on top of that. And that's actually what makes it more distressing. It's because even for me at least at the worst moments of depression, there was still a sense that this wasn't true. And that actually just made it more frustrating. If it wasn't true, and I realized it wasn't true, why couldn't I just stop feeling it? But much like pain, you can wish that you didn't feel the sunburn all you wanted, and you'll still feel it if you're burned badly enough. Even if you take uh, pain medication, it's hard to eliminate the entire source of the pain. But with that in mind, this idea that I didn't really go into As deeply as I wanted to in the last episode, I wanted to now get into it here right at the start of the show. And this is the idea that the pain of depression, the pain of emotional anguish, the pain of uh, irrational sadness is maybe not always as irrational or inexplicable uh, as we might first think. And we're so used to, or at least I am, uh, so often thinking about my life and my experiences in a very ordered, rational way, that sometimes if I feel bad about something and I can't find the exact logical reason that I feel bad, that I get very frustrated. If I feel sad for what it seems like no reason, I can get very frustrated. Well, I think this pain, this depression pain, can actually be considered very much like the pain of growth, the pain like exercise. I think exercise is a very good example because unlike a pain that's warning you that something's wrong. For example, if you you know put your hand on a hot stove uh, and you feel that heat coming on your body tells you take your hand off the stove because because it hurts and it makes it hurt so that you stop doing it. It would seem that with depression, maybe our body is telling us that we're doing something wrong on some deeper level that is not as simple to identify as putting our hands on a hot stove, but maybe with some deep contemplation, with some very penetrating honesty and some insightful examination of ourselves, which can be a painful event unto itself, maybe we'll actually be able to find... These elusive causes of some of our distress that might not have seemed as readily available as we would like. With that in mind, also, and we did touch on this in the last episode, this type of pain that depression can be is often to me like recovering from exercise, meaning it hurts to grow. If you've ever lifted weights, It not only hurts while you're doing it, it especially hurts after you've done it, while the muscle is trying to recover. But again, it's different than the pain of burning yourself or cutting yourself. It's a deeper pain that that despite feeling in a way kind of uncomfortable, actually is quite pleasurable. Maybe just because you realize it was from something it was from a pain from something good that you did or that your body is rebuilding itself and getting stronger. It's the pain of growth. Even when I was a much younger person and I was having growth spurts and my bones would hurt, it was very painful to the point where I would cry and couldn't sleep and really was in agony. But it's something about realizing that I was getting taller or that I was growing up or just becoming a bigger person physically made it different than the kind of pain that would otherwise indicate a, a real problem. That something was wrong. There was an emergency. These are growing pains. Oftentimes, I think that for me at least a lot of the depression that I've experienced was actually my soul being exercised, not exercised as in casting out a demon, but exercise like worked out, giving a, a workout, like weightlifting for your soul. And the pain is that muscle, growing your spirit actually becoming stronger and it hurts like all growth. Growth is painful, but that's how we can tell that it's actually working. If it didn't hurt, if it wasn't uncomfortable in that way that real growth is, then it wouldn't really be doing us any good. So that's just something to think about different ways to interpret this pain that we would maybe call depression. And and again, I want to make it very clear. I would never discourage someone from addressing their depression in any traditional medical uh, way. I don't have experience with that personally, but I would never dissuade someone or say that it's the wrong way out. I think these feelings are meant to tell us something, and that's up to each individual to decide how to listen or what to do about what you hear when you do listen. But I think it is interesting to think about pain, even the pain from sadness as ultimately some type of growth or the opportunity to grow in some way. Uh, We're going to get into some more topics, some listener questions, and you're listening to America WK, and we'll be right back. Thank you very much. Don't go away.
0: America WK with Andrew WK, the undisputed king of partying. On the Blaze Radio Network.
1: back on America WK. I am Andrew WK. It's an absolute pleasure, a genuine privilege to be with you again. Fifth episode of this show. And we just were recapping to an extent the depression topic that we went into much more deeply on episode four. I had just wanted to Introduce or reintroduce, but go into a bit more detail about the idea of depression as some sort of pain of growth, growing pains for your soul, growing pains for your spirit, sometimes growing pains for your mind, sometimes literally growing pains from your body. I mean, there's definitely been times, especially back in high school when I was on the swimming team, and we would do unbelievable amounts of swimming. I remember one that was 500 laps. We had to stay however long it took us to swim 500 laps. Which was probably the, the 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 greatest physical exertion I had ever encountered at that time, maybe even still is. And I literally was sick afterwards, and it, but it wasn't sick in the traditional sense. Not even really sick from exhaustion. It was this complete, otherworldly version of fatigue that came from never having encountered or even known that it was possible to encounter a type of physical challenge like that. Uh, and I went into kind of a depression. It, it, it literally, though, that one was much more physical than it was uh, spiritual or otherwise. But all of these types of pain are signs of some type of growth. It might even be bad growth if there is such a thing. I mean, cancer, for example, is a bad type of growth. So it, 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 it all it is is asking us to look into ourselves and try to extract some kind of value or some type of meaning or something useful from the experience. Because otherwise, it's just pain and suffering for no reason. We have this capacity to, to think, to think about life, to think about our own life, to become aware of what's going on in our life as it happens, as it affects us, as it unfolds, from within us, so why not try to figure this stuff out? And and there's something kind of fun about that. I mean, even in the midst of the worst depressions I've had, there was still some sense that I could make this count for something. Actually, in case I didn't mention to this this before, that was it still is my whole motivation. Really the the greatest things I've ever done in my life have in many ways been motivated from trying to overcome these bad feelings Uh, it was just complete uh, determination almost like to get revenge on these feelings to prove to the feelings or that version of myself that I wasn't going to let them stop me in fact I was going to turn them into the best thing that I could do or counter them with the best feelings that I could make or summon up. Even if I didn't feel that way at the moment, I was still going to do it. Sort of like if you don't feel like you can run and yet you still somehow push yourself to run almost out of the frustration for feeling like you can't and then reveling in the fact that you actually just did. I mean, really pushing yourself past what feel like impossible limitations. So sometimes these bad feelings can end up in a very mysterious, real mystical way they can end up becoming the the fuse, the ignition of some of the best things that will ever come out of life. It's quite bizarre. This is where we see dualities. This is where we see contrast. This is where we see lead turning into gold, where the worst parts of yourself can somehow end up facilitating the best parts of yourself to come forward, almost because it's an emergency. They have to come forward. Uh, I've mentioned this before. I think some people are just gifted, In being positive. And positivity is actually the big topic that I want most of this episode to be about. We're going to go into that deeper as we make our way through this show. There's some other topics, some questions that came in from listeners that I wanted to go into first. And that's how I decided to to structure episode four as well. I figured I'd kind of catch up With things that I had been thinking about, fill in stuff that I had not had time to mention the last one uh, episode, and just things that have occurred to me since we last spoke. I mean, that's I love doing this every week because there's something so satisfying that I that I realize even if I don't fit it in, I get to talk to you again, and I and then again and then again. Like we're really in this uh, and and it's nice that even though it feels rushed to a degree because there are time limits I'm working with every episode I feel like we also at the same time we have all the time in the world we have as much time as we ever could ask for to talk about everything and that's really in case you couldn't tell uh, that's basically what this show is about about everything about everything and anything that uh, seems worth talking about or at least what I, what's been on my mind. And it's been really just, I can't overstate how moving it's truly been to find that you and other folks out there have related to a lot of what I've been talking about. Some of the most elusive and hard to pin down ideas that I've had a great difficulty even describing on the show have been some of the parts that people have specifically mentioned they related to, not even that they enjoyed it, although I hope you do enjoy this show, but that you're relating to what I'm talking about, even in some small way, even if it's a very different version of it. But that mis- means so much to me because, well, one, it's great feedback, but two, it, it's that feeling that you're not alone, that I'm not alone. I'm not the only one feeling this way. In fact, perhaps we're all Everyone in the world could be feeling some different versions of what we're talking about here. These are human. This is what it is to be human, I, 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 I'd like to think. I would like to think that even though it's fun to feel very different and to feel very unique, and that, of course, every person is, by default, everything is unique in the whole world. Nothing is exact replica of something else, as far as I'm aware. But it is also very nice to realize that there are some things that are shared and maybe they have different tones or different qualities to them, but are shared and encountered in a way that allows us to connect. That connection is that is real magic, even in this isolated, enclosed space called my mind and your mind, these two distinct, seemingly unknowable Worlds that are inside each of us, there is this ability for those worlds to connect somehow in ways that are, again, very difficult to describe, but you can tell it because you are feeling it. So much of the most important parts of life are not something that you can think about or describe in a mental, intellectual way. They are experienced, they are known only through experience. And you know it if you felt it and experienced it. You might not be able to describe exactly what it felt like, but that's what I think we're bonding to here to a degree. So other topics I want to get into as we make our way through this fifth episode of America WK. We talked about the depression idea, the growing pains. I actually wanted to talk about reincarnation, which is an idea that I've almost never really discussed with anybody. I had a very simple, it's a huge, huge field of topic, field of discussion, field of thought, but I had a real basic idea that I thought was an interesting way of illustrating the idea of reincarnation for me that made it easier to, to conceive of or how it could be useful. And then I wanted to talk about a, a, a listener question that I didn't get to in the last episode about unrequited love when you love someone and they don't necessarily love you back or doesn't go the way you thought. And then uh, I wanna get into positivity and I wanna spend the rest of the episode talking about that. This is America WK, we'll be right back. Thank you very, very much for being with me. My name is Andrew WK.
0: This is America WK with Andrew WK. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. king of partying himself, your friend and mine, Andrew W.K.
1: Welcome back. This is Andrew W.K. with you here on America W.K., and we are more or less going through a checklist. I have notes. As much as this show is off the cuff to a large degree, I have notes of other things I want to talk with you about, and this idea of reincarnation came up when I was thinking about video games. Now... Again, reincarnation is a huge topic. We're only going to be able to very briefly scratch just one tiny little piece of the surface here. But essentially the idea is that life, whatever life is, the mysterious vitality that brings matter into form, that fuses matter with energy and creates this thing we call life, a living being. There is a concept or a theory, which seems actually irrefutable to a large degree, that life or the energy that we refer to as life can never actually be destroyed. In fact, we don't even know exactly if it's ever created. It may just exist. And then it comes into manifestation, into different versions of itself. So... An animal is one version of life, like a nice puppy dog. Uh, a tree is another manifestation. A human being is a manifestation of this, again, this life force, planets and galaxies, all in motion, all infused with some different variation or version of this essential life thing, principle, quality. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it may be the fundamental principle of all of reality, for all we know, But as far as we're concerned, it's what makes us able to live it's and move around, be animated, have thoughts. It's what leaves us when we die and our body remains just matter. But the spirit, the essence that gave it the qualities that we call a living being has somehow vanished, gone away. Now, some people uh, that are very materialistic, I think, in, in believing that there is really no spirit or any kind of energy they say that's just it once you die you're dead whatever that was that was in you whether you call it consciousness whether you call it your point of view whether you just call it your life energy that whatever made you able to live also just dies but then of course there's this idea that it cannot die that it is indestructible it's actually even beyond indestructible it is it's a quality that defies all other qualities in its infinite vitality and that you can't, all it can do is just be harnessed. It can be brought about and it can be changed and transmuted and transformed into different variations of itself. But if we assume then that this life force can't really be extinguished, it just goes away or comes back in different forms or changes how it's uh, experienced in our version of the world, We can imagine that possibly this is the idea of reincarnation that you could actually come back again as a person that that same quantity of life force and maybe it's diffused very broadly. Maybe you become reincarnated at the same time as many people. Now, I I should stop and say, as you can tell. (laughs) <laughs> I haven't thought a great deal about this before. This is a, a, a very old idea. Of, of course, it's one of the oldest ideas when it comes to interpreting human existence, but it's very new for me to really ponder. I Actually, when I was younger, it made kind of a a kind of instinctual sense to me. I think largely because I didn't like the idea of people dying or anything dying really uh it but it, it seemed in a way in a strange way to go against common sense sort of the idea of why would you bother why w- what would all the trouble be for if all of this and i don't just mean the trouble of humans striving to exist but just anything existing at all why would anything exist if it couldn't always exist Now, I didn't really think even probably as deeply as that, but there was just some hunch that I had probably up until around age 11 or 12 that you just didn't die when you thought you did, that you just changed in some way. Probably because it's very painful to imagine dying, uh, especially when you have your parents and you're so reliant on other people's life to uh, continue your own at those younger years. But then as I got older, it seemed more and more absurd. And I hadn't started thinking about it again until very recently. And one way that was helpful to think about it, and this is just an illustration I wanted to mention, see what you think of it. It occurred to me that we're constantly, if you're especially a younger person, we're constantly engaged in versions of reincarnation, especially when it comes to games. Now, I have not played a lot of video games, especially newer ones, but like many people my age, i definitely spent hours uh, and hours and hours playing not only video games, but other types of games, including sports, physical sports. Well, if we think about a video game and this idea of, of reincarnation in the classical sense, as I understand it, is that when you die and then you come back and are reborn, you're coming back because you have more to learn. You have more to grow. Basically, you didn't pass the level. You didn't succeed in the game. You didn't win. And that's just like in a video game. Now, of course, it depends on the video game. But going back to a very basic video game, let's say like Super Mario Brothers, you have a certain number of lives. And when you restart the game, at least as I remember it, you can restart at the beginning of a level. But let's say you lose all those lives for that particular game. You start at the beginning every time. Even if you can pick up the game or save the game as you can in, in contemporary video games, the basic idea is that no matter how many times you have to go through, you still have to complete these proper steps to do the right thing in the laws that are established, the rules of the game, whatever video game you're playing, there are certain things you have to do to get further through. And it doesn't matter if you're a, an expert video game player, everyone still has to start at level one before they get to those higher, more challenging levels that maybe they keep dying at before going back and starting over all, all over again. And actually it can be quite frustrating. I remember seeing very, very, very advanced video game players, Uh, in arcades who would be playing it was like 1945 was one of the games this scrolling uh, sort of two-dimensional flying game Uh, Raiden a similar game kind of looked like Centipede a little more elaborate but but They had memorized every single move on all these early levels, right down to the wire, very efficient. Now, of course, they had mastered that over a long period of time, but they had to go through it every time, even if it was beneath them in a way at that point, because they were so good. They wanted to get ahead to the other levels, but they still had to go through the whole thing, even the most advanced a uh, basketball player, for example, still has to start each game with the tip-off. They might want to get into the most challenging buzzer-beater uh, overtime situation where their, their, their best and most advanced skills, their best and most advanced insights and experience and knowledge and composure uh, all come out and are made more valuable, but they still have to go through the very beginning of the game before you get to the buzzer-beater. And that just seemed like it really made sense in terms of reincarnation if... If we do, and this is, of course, I guess, a theory that many people believe in and many people don't, but it makes sense that you have to go through it all each time. I may have mentioned this in a past episode, but the movie Groundhog's Day with Bill Murray, or Groundhog Day, with Bill Murray and Andy McDowell is this entire concept illustrated. He had to figure out how to become a good person by more or less being reincarnated every day, whether he liked it or not. And he had to complete the same steps until he figured it out. He, it wasn't that he added up to his enlightenment each day and then could, could move forward. He had to start at the beginning each time until he did it right, until he lived life right. And then he could move forward in true happiness. It's very well done. I had never thought about the movie illustrating that. I would never thought about video games illustrating that idea. But Reincarnation, maybe we'll do a whole show about that. It's a fascinating concept. It's actually quite positive, uh, although some people think it's a bit naïve. But we're going to get into positivity much more deeply as well as some other topics here on America WK. Stay with me. I'll be right back. Thank you.
0: This is America WK, hosted by Andrew WK, on the Blaze Radio Network. WK with Andrew WK only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to America WK. This is Andrew WK. Thank you for staying
1: with me. We were just talking about reincarnation, a fascinating concept and it's perhaps like many very difficult to grasp or for some folks difficult to believe Uh, Concepts. it can also be appreciated in a symbolic way. And it's basically just the idea that you're here to learn and try to do better and try to improve. And if we are here to be alive this time around, even if it actually is just the only time, it's because we have to be able to figure things out. We have to try to do things right. We have to try to become a good person. It's a very, very fascinating idea. We've been going through my checklist of thoughts that I wanted to think about with you talked about depression as being a type of spiritual growing pains. Actually, the whole episode four really went deep into depression. But that was an idea that I wanted to touch on again, this idea that the pain suffered through depression might actually just be like muscle pains when you lift weights. But weightlifting for your soul, weightlifting for your spirit, your inner self becoming bigger and stronger. It's painful. It's a painful experience. I imagine it's painful for a caterpillar to come out of its chrysalis or cocoon and turn into a butterfly. I'm not sure what type of feeling that bug experiences in that moment, but it seems like the pain of birth is always quite intense so intense that we block a great deal of it out or our memory just doesn't happen to go there. Some people say they remember what it felt like to be born. But perhaps these big life experiences, even if we can't see them at the time as having been a big life experience, we're always going through things. We're always growing in some way, hopefully for the better. And maybe that's like small births, new births. At all times, a constant state of birthing and the pain associated with that. We also talked uh, about some questions that were sent in. And one that I want to go into is unrequited love. The idea of being in love with someone in a way that feels very deep and very true and very destined and not having that other person share the same feeling. But very quickly, before we get into that, just so I don't forget, I wanted to tell you a little story about these last days. As I may have told you before, I travel a lot, and these last days have been no different. I've been traveling quite a bit, many connecting flights, a lot of time in airports and airplanes, which, as I've told you before, have a certain certain quality to the atmosphere in travel that, for me, is very thought-provoking it's a it's a state of mind where it's a combination of relaxation. Well, I should qualify this. I've usually been traveling alone. It's hard for me to go in that thoughtful state if I'm with someone else because you're having fun and talking about whatever and hanging out. But when you're alone, you tend to think to yourself and hopefully think about whatever you want. And hopefully whatever you want ends up being some kind of thought that is entertaining uh, or not just completely focused on stress and anxiety and worry I actually try to not allow myself to think about that stuff because there's so many other things to think about that are well one more uplifting but two just way more interesting and most of the stuff I'm worried about is things that I can't do anything about anyway and that's why it's something I would worry about if I could do something about it then I wouldn't even be thinking about it I'd just be doing it that's why anxiety and worry is just all a big distraction because if it's really worth worrying about, then it's worth doing something about, and then you might as well just be doing something instead of worrying about it and If you can't do anything about it, then there's certainly nothing worth worrying about that's just that becomes very perverse, you know, very sick, very self destructive so anyway, while travelling, I was thinking about manners because as you're making your way throughout the world, there's all these opportunities to interact with people in very casual. Inconsequential ways, yet you're there, you're up close with these folks, and you want to be good. You try to I mean, I, this is something I've, again I'd be struggling with. So I'll, I've gone like maybe you'll relate to this. Very irritated by all kinds of stuff while traveling, uh, much like driving. Just behavior that I consider inconsiderate by someone else. Of course, I've probably engaged in the exact same behavior. Uh, someone I think who is being uh, completely uh, ambivalent or uh, what's the word aloof to. Th- the people around them. Of course, I've probably done the same thing. Oftentimes, while I'm thinking about what someone else is doing so badly, I'm actually doing the same thing. Oh, like, look at how irritating this is. This person's blocking this doorway. Oh, whoops, I actually was blocking another doorway that I didn't even notice behind me. So I always try to cut people more slack. I'm trying to challenge myself when these feelings arise, these irritations, these are beneath us. These are not, we, again, we should be thinking about very noble pursuits, as if we can. I mean, we can develop the discipline to, to counter these petty thoughts, these petty feelings. It is not the best that we can be. We know this. Even if we're justified, we're also justified in rising above it. So manners is this strange activity, having good manners. I had never thought about it this way before. It's not just because it's the right thing to do, to be polite, to say please and thank you. There's something magical about good manners that I never really understood until the other day. I was sitting in my plane seat, and there was a gentleman next to me who I thought was being very rude. Uh, I realized you have to take a break. Don't go away, I really want to get into this. It's America WK, Andrew WK here. I'll be right back. Please stay with me, thank you.
0: A party for being alive. This is America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Let's get real. This is a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. America WK with your friend and mine, Andrew WK, on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. It's America WK. I'm Andrew WK. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for
1: your patience as we make our way through what has turned into a rather random list of thoughts and topics, a list that I had been keeping in anticipation of speaking with you again. Every week I get to do this, so I keep notes of what I wanted to talk to you about. I wanted to talk about manners. We were talking about manners. I'm traveling. I'm flying around. I have many chances to be rude or to be nice. I'm trying to to be a better person at all times, to be worthy of this great gift of a life that for some reason I've been given. I'm trying to overcome my worst impulses and... One of the worst feelings or impulses that I encounter the most is feelings of irritation, being feeling, feeling rude, and that's the, the difference. Inside, I feel all kinds of ways, and the first step I've been trying to make is just not act like I feel that way. I might feel completely in a rage, but here's where manners come in. I'm not going to act like I'm in a rage because I want to have good manners. So even though I feel like saying... Uh, whatever, you screw you. Uh I'm 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 in a bad mood. <laughs> or something much worse than that. I try to say hello, how are you doing? Oh, uh, very nice to be here. Yes, please. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Inside, I might be saying, Why can't you put your computer onto the belt faster? Don't you realize there's people waiting here? Please, ma'am, what are you doing? Or oh, I wouldn't even say please, ma'am. I say, Yo, lady, what's your problem? But manners is already beginning to be a habit. See, even when I was trying to be rude after all this extreme effort to be polite, even while angry. I mean, it comes off. You can hear people, and I hear it myself sometimes, and I'm trying to be polite, but the anger still comes through. When you say, excuse me, ma'am, would you please move forward in the line? Or I'll call people out when they cut in line a lot, too. And again, even though I'm quite disgusted and really really angry that someone would have the nerve to cut in a line i try to say pardon me sir because this is what happens i'll say pardon me sir i'm not sure if you realize but the line starts back there and myself and all these other folks were in line as well and of course how often does it happen when i do that maybe you've been in this situation where that person says oh well I already was in line I'm with my whole family, my kids and my wife over there. I'm just rejoining them. And then you feel like a complete idiot. And then you feel really glad that you were as polite as you willed yourself to be because, boy, if you are in the wrong and you've been rude, then you're really in a bad spot. So all these good reasons for manners, all these good reasons. It saves you embarrassment. It's just—it's it, not just because it's the social convention. There's a reason that these things become conventions. I had never thought about this before. I was raised this way. My parents were very strict about please and thank you, especially my father, who's been very strict about all types of outward behavior, uh, especially words, ways that you speak. I'm always trying to improve the way that I speak because I thought at first, again, it's just what you're supposed to do, but it turns out there's a lot of good reasons why it's what you're supposed to do. And when it comes to manners, I'm going to give you this example. So while traveling, I was on the airplane and it was just me and another gentleman and it wasn't anything outwardly irritating by about this guy. Now, see, I was in one of my very low moods where I was operating at at, at not optimum level, I was failing basically as, as a human to a large degree, not being the best I wanted to be, or at least not feeling that way inside, feeling angry, feeling frustrated, feeling angry and frustrated about feeling angry and frustrated, probably just feeling depressed, maybe a little bit, you know, worn down by the weight of the world or whatever, you know, not even personal problems. Cause I don't want, often feel that I've gotten in a bad mood about personal problems so much. Uh, There, of course, have been those moments. It's more just this general feeling that everything is wrong about the world. And that's a a really bad feeling because there's not much I can do about that in the instant. All except that there is. For example, I can be polite. So as this gentleman is, is irritating me, one of the things he was doing that, again, I was in this game that I've often gotten engaged with, and maybe you'll relate to this, where you've created all these little rules for yourself of what I feel I'm supposed to do to be a good person and to be a better person than I would otherwise be to to hold myself to this higher standard. And then of course you expect everyone else to magically adhere to the same standard that you've designed for yourself in your own inner world. And when they don't, uh, adhere to it and they don't live up to that same standard. Well, boy, oh boy, they're just really dropping the ball. Despite the fact that I've been dropping the ball perpetually right up until that very moment. But because I was making the effort then I was somehow better, you know, I was more noble than these other people that aren't trying as hard, you know, all these terrible games. And you just, even in your efforts to be a better person, you you end up becoming a jerk. I mean, it, it's, it takes a lot of discipline and it's not the type of lock step hardcore discipline that you can apply to other types of things like I'm going to get up at 6 a.m. no matter what. It's a it's a it's a more gentle type of discipline where you almost have to soften the edges of your very regimented, very focused, very hardcore effort to not be so hardcore. It's very strange. There's a lot of paradox and contrast in these things. It makes them challenging, but it's actually very fun to challenge yourself in this way because it's a challenge you really can do. It's a challenge that we actually get to work on at all times and we can do it. We can win it. Every little victory counts for so much and it becomes habit forming and then you don't have to think about it as much. But anyway, I was thinking very much about it in this moment with this guy on the plane. He was taking up a great deal of space. He was using the entire armrest uh, that is supposed to really be shared. Now, when it's a shared armrest, in that situation, especially if it's a center seat, I always would give it to the center seat person. I say, let them have both armrests on the plane. That's the most uncomfortable seat. If they're in the center seat, I'm going to give, they get to almost to do whatever they want, because it really is quite unpleasant, especially if you're between two strangers to have to sit in that center seat. Um, I give them all the room. They get both leg rests. I mean, armrests, they can put their legs wherever they want. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, i would rather they not you know completely get up into my personal space, but uh, I really would go above and beyond for that poor center seat person. but when it's two seats, as many planes just have two seats, especially on the sides, then it's really you know no one should use that center armrest or you take turns or if you notice you're bumping it. but it became quite clear that this gentleman was going to use the center armrest. Now I immediately assumed that he was doing this out of some kind of selfish Uh, mindset he then also put his leg his foot further over (laughs) the center's side the center divider the invisible center divider over into my area and I was very close at that point to saying sir well inside I wanted to say what the hell are you doing you know get your leg out of my space I would have said sir I'm very sorry would you mind keeping your leg on this side of the imaginary invisible dividing line here But I didn't say anything because I was trying to see what would happen if I didn't. This is sort of just being silent, swallowing all those feelings, trying to rise above them, trying to imagine all the times I had done these exact same things to someone else, whether intentionally or uh, by accident. And I have done all kinds of horrible things to all kinds of people, even on planes, terrible, terrible things intentionally. I'll tell you those stories some other day. So I just stopped and eventually I had to get up to use the restroom and this gentleman had to move for me. And at that point, I was very glad I never said anything to him because he sort of had the power. He, he, he had to let me out and it was his courtesy to do so. Of course, he's expected to, but I was really glad I never said anything, no matter how polite I may had have said it, it was best that I didn't. And I said, sir, I'm very sorry. Pardon me, I I would like to use the restroom. Would you mind getting up so I can get out? And after saying that, he turned to me with the most brilliant smile, eyes twinkling. He had this sort of, he was probably, I don't know, 65 years old, this grandfatherly kindness. He said, oh, sure, sure. Almost in a sing-songy way. Turned out to be one of the warmest, nicest people. I didn't end up having a big conversation with anything with a guy or anything. But in that moment, I saw that I had misinterpreted all of his behavior, all of his body language, all of his energy. He was completely a nice person. And because I treated him as though I already thought he was a nice person, he just acted that way. And it was like a magic trick that the good manners ended up bringing out that version of that experience. I hope that made sense. I hope that was worth something. This is America WK. I'll be right back. Stay with me.
0: This is America WK featuring Andrew WK only on the Blaze Radio Network. Restoring your faith in humanity to the power of positive partying. This is America WK with Andrew WK.
1: Welcome back to America WK. This is Andrew WK. Thank you for staying with me. We were talking about manners. I just told the story about how despite feeling very irritated, despite feeling ill will towards this passenger sitting next to me, I found the strength to still maintain my composure and to keep good manners and be polite in my very brief interaction with him. And then he turned out to be one of the nicest people you could ever sit next to anywhere. And had I not used that magical manner power, who knows what kind of interaction we would have had, or I probably would have been very rude to a gentleman that was very undeserving of it. And I was just thinking about this idea of manners, that they're not just something you do because you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to do it for a very good reason, because it makes life better. It's a good thing to think about. Now, you may be someone who has naturally excelled in this area of good manners, but it is a, uh, it's a a—it's a very big challenge for me otherwise. Not because I've been rude, but it just takes this certain type of extra effort Uh, It's sort of like you're on camera. That's how I feel about a lot of it. Like you're watching yourself go through your day. Can you pull it off? Can you pass this test without being a complete jerk? And with manners, it's very obvious because it's outward. Everyone sees it. It's interactions. The next step is can you actually feel that way inside? Can the feeling of what good manners represent actually Start from within to actually feel that. So when you say, excuse me, would you please give me this? You actually mean, I'm very sorry to bother you. Excuse me. Would you please? I'm I'm humbly asking. And it's not just rules that you say without thinking. It's rules that we we want to follow because that's how we actually feel. We're grateful. We say thank you because we actually are grateful. Not just because it's what we were told to say so that people don't think we're rude. And then if uh, even if we don't mean them, and this is what I found out on that plane, when I was polite, just because that's how I had trained myself at that point to speak, it actually changed the way I felt. I even think it changed maybe the way that gentleman behaved, the way even he felt. I mean, we can have that impact on one another. I really recommend it. See if you can catch yourself. I mean, as much as I think I say please and thank you at every single Moment. I bet you there's times that I don't. There's times when you think you're saying it and you're actually not. Please. Thank you. What other awarenesses can we develop? And these are very easy compartmentalized types of behavior to focus on. Of course, we can go much deeper and much broader than just manners, but manners are a great, great, great place to start because it's very specific they're very inconsequential interactions most of the time. I mean, you, you should really, we wanna have the best manners of all to the people that we deal with the most often. For some reason, it's that strange situation where the people that are most important to us are the ones we usually have treated the worst. Why is that? Something to think about. But either way, developing those manners and then learning to use them at all times so that they're habitual but not mindless, not automatic, in a detached way, but automatic because that's how you actually feel. I mean, when I say thank you for tuning in, I'm not saying thank you without realizing how thankful I am that you're listening and part of this with me right now. That is huge. Otherwise, I'm just talking to a wall here. I'm talking with you, and I'm thankful that you're there and not just the wall. And that, that I feel that gratitude. I hope you feel it, and I think that you do. And I think that there's something magical about that. How much can we do with that type of magic? It seems like the simplest little thing, but yet it could actually perhaps have the power to change entire courses of events. Something to really keep in mind. I realize that as this show goes on, holy smokes, we're still just on some of these These initial topics that I thought I would get out of the way in the first five minutes. I mean, I realize I have a tendency to go on and on. Some could call that rambling. I am talking to you from the heart. And this just seems to be what happens sometimes. But again, that's the great thing. We're hanging out. We're talking. We can do this for as long as we want. So what if this episode ends? There's another episode coming up. It just goes like that. There's no rush. That's patience. I mean, patience, actually, as far as manners go, forcing patience, no matter what, is, seems to be the state of mind, or at least the physical state, which makes those manners emerge much more easily. If you're impatient, if you're feeling that kind of pressure, that external pressure, having to get to a place on time, dealing with something that feels out of control. All those small little kindnesses seem to be the first to go. If we can somehow be patient, even when we should be impatient, can we pass that test? Can we beat that challenge? That's That's a hard one. When you know that you'll miss your plane unless the traffic moves and yet you don't freak out, Because we realize that freaking out has no impact on the traffic, really. What's even more bizarre is when people are impatient to get someplace that there's absolutely no hurry to get to, like a red light. What is that? What kind of game are we playing in those situations? Well, I do want to go into this user, pardon me, this listener submitted question. Well, I, I hope that someone is using this radio show. I would love the idea that this was useful in that way. I would. That would actually would be the highest compliment that anyone could ever give me. Would be to say that you found it to be useful. A user submitted question. A user of America WK asked me about unrequited love. How do you deal with unrequited love? Well, like most people, I have have firsthand experience on both sides, uh, being head over heels for someone, either a short term infatuation or even a long term crush, sometimes very long term, many, many years, and not having any any real feedback or any real possibility of anything happening, or having very, very specific feedback that tells you, no, nothing's going to happen. Please go away. Different levels of heartbreak, different levels of rejection. I've also been the object of someone's affection that I had no interest in, in that way. And sometimes that was very cut and dry and sometimes it was much more difficult. Perhaps we were in a relationship to some degree, but you realize that person likes you more than you like them. Very difficult, very challenging, a lot to think about. The main idea I wanted to present with love in general, especially love that isn't returned or just heartbreak in general, is that none of the pain that is experienced during those ordeals should be thought of as useless or pointless. There's something to be gained from the entire experience, even if only to have gone through it, to have been able to love something, to be able to turn your heart over and have that clarity that's so specific and so unlike any other type of feeling to say I was in love, I am in love, I love this person. That in itself is a gift, that's something of yours, whether or not it's returned no amount of heartbreak should ever tell us to not still love you may grow out of love with a certain person you may take long breaks where you don't feel romantic feelings for anybody but we should never learn a lesson that cuts our heart away from life that pulls us away from our heart this is America WK we'll continue with this when I get back, stay with me, thank you
0: This is America WK with Andrew WK. Only on the Belize Radio Network. Undisputed King of Partying invites you to a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back
1: to America WK. I am Andrew WK. Very, 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 very thankful to be with you. We're talking about unrequited love. And I, I've i had my experiences with it and, and on both sides. And the main point I was hoping to offer you is... Just no matter how much pain love causes you, it should never tell you that love isn't worth it. It is always worth the risk. It is the most worthwhile risk in life to not necessarily pursue someone that you can't have, not necessarily to follow beyond common sense some particular action associated with love, But that the feeling of love itself, the mysterious sensation that emerges that's so unmistakable, should never be removed from one's life for risk of. It not working out, risk of rejection, risk of pain, risk of loss, risk of loving someone and then having them go away and wishing you just hadn't loved anyone because it hurts so much to have them gone. We realize that we have to be stronger than that. We realize that what kind of life would be worth living at all if we couldn't stay close to some form of love. Those moments are what make life worth living, even at their worst. Even at their worst, They are perhaps the most valuable thing of all. So any life experience, especially ones as powerful and all-consuming as romantic love, should never teach us a lesson. I I have heard this so many times um, and have oftentimes, especially when I was younger, had people tell me that eventually I'll learn. I'll learn a lesson and see how the world really is or see why people don't, Open their hearts. You know, once you get hurt enough, you'll learn. You learn nothing. You learn how to be resilient enough to continue to open your heart. Of course, it's understandable to want to close off. Of course, there's a time, in fact, where it's completely beneficial to close off, to heal, to mourn, to repair oneself, to reflect, to contemplate, to absorb the experience. That's what we were talking about with the growing pains of Life, as your soul just went through some very intense experience, it has to grow and that's going to hurt. But then you don't say, I'm not going to grow anymore just because it's painful or because it hurts. There's a reason that we're designed to be able to go through these things. And just like someone who's never exercised, let's say someone who's never had an elevated heartbeat from any strenuous activity. When that happens, they may feel like they're dying. They've never felt that before for whatever reason, and I'm not blaming them. It makes actually perfect sense to not want to feel like that. It seems like feeling that physical pain of physical effort, some kind of extreme and energy expenditure like running where you're winded and your chest is heaving and your whole body hurts and your heart is just completely beating out of your chest. It seems like your body is saying you're not supposed to be doing this. But it's in fact, it's designed to be doing that. And it's just the shock of us not doing it very often that makes it feel so intense. Of course, that's why we are able to build up uh, endurance and tolerance and strength and stamina and all these qualities that come from pushing ourselves past that comfort point many, many times. But if you haven't pushed past it and gone into that discomfort, that pain of growth, of challenge, of, of calling upon one's You know, inner resources, inner strengths that are maybe not often tapped into, it can feel very frightening, very discombobulating, very confusing, and much, much like you just want it to stop. You just want it to stop. Why should I be sprinting around this track? I'd just rather go and sit back down and chill. Well, hopefully, deeper underneath that. Desire to sit back and not try hard is some other feeling or voice, some instinct that tells us that there's some point to all this, that there's something good about doing this. Even if we can't see it at that moment, even if it's extremely uncomfortable, that it's building some part of us that is not always so easy to see, but that needs to be built. And the pain of love builds us. It makes us better at loving It makes us appreciate the entire experience of love more. And sometimes it not going so well is the most useful type of love experience to have. Even if we don't realize why at the time, even if we don't understand why at the time. I recently wrote about a love experience of mine in my advice column when a young man wrote in asking about his prom date. He asked this girl to the prom and she said yes, but then he found out that she didn't really like him that way. And she kind of just said yes, cause she didn't want to hurt his feelings. And it was eerie because it was very similar to an experience that I had in high school where I had this, wasn't so much about prom. I just wanted to go out with this girl who I had a crush on from across the room for many, many months. And never really thought I had a chance to even talk with her, but she sort of instigated our first interactions, seemed to really like me. I worked up the nerve to ask her out, which was definitely in the top 10 truly most nerve-wracking, frightening things I ever have done. I mean, at least at that time, especially, but it's still right up there in terms of how I felt, how, how frightened I was. And she said yes. And then later, much to my dismay, there was a note she put through the vent of my locker. I think maybe even the next day or like two days later. A very nice note that said she actually didn't really want to go out with me, but she thought I was really nice and we could be friends. And she ended up going out with this other guy who I really had a problem with, but mainly because I was just very jealous of him and all the girls liked him. And that was completely shattering. And it took me a long time to get the nerve up to ask someone else out again. But when I asked out the next girl, it actually never even really occurred to me not to because of what happened that first time. It almost seemed like I had nothing to lose because I had gone through that and I hadn't died. Yeah, it was very embarrassing and really, really, really demoralizing, really crushed many different kinds of confidence that I had just barely begun to build. But it didn't stop me in the end, and it didn't ultimately really kill me, even though it felt like I was dying. And even though I didn't realize it at the time, I think that maybe that whole experience was meant to happen if only so that I could tell you about it now. If only so that I could write to that young man who wrote into my advice column and tell him that I had been through something similar. Now, at the time going through it, I never would have imagined that I'd be ever in a position to be writing an advice comm about anything or doing really any of the stuff that I've been doing these last 15 years. All of this is very surprising to me and my high school self probably wouldn't have known what to make of it. But as you go through experiences, you don't always know how they're going to show their value later on. We don't always see how they will reveal themselves to be useful how it was a preview for something later to come, some type of insight, some type of understanding that we didn't even realize we had developed will then reveal itself when we need it most. And that's a good thing to keep in mind when going through very painful experiences. We don't have to know how it's making us stronger. We don't have to understand why we're meant to go through it. And that's a type of faith It's a very tricky thing, faith. A lot of people have a problem with faith. Faith can be, for someone who otherwise doesn't like this idea of faith, faith can be believing that there's some reason to live at all. And you don't have proof of it necessarily in what we would call factual evidence. But you have faith that there's a point to going through even the hardest, most miserable times. I think that is perhaps the most basic type of faith that we get out of any type of belief is a sense of reasoning, a sense of meaning, a sense of value, a sense of purpose in what can otherwise seem like a completely crushing and impossible and meaningless existence. So hold on to those feelings, good or bad. And, and use them for all they're worth. Because what other choice do we have really? We've got to keep going. And that includes love, you got to keep loving. We have to, we absolutely have to. Our life depends on it. Our real life, the life inside of us that is really the only life worth living. We want to live in a world with love. I'll be right back, America WK. <laughs>
0: You're listening to America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. The Undisputed King of Party invites you to a no-hold celebration of being alive this is America WK with Andrew WK
1: welcome back to America WK this is Andrew WK thank you very much for spending another show with me and for being here while we talked about these thoughts it's so funny to me now because the main topic I wanted to discuss on this episode was positivity and much like last week's episode was supposed to go into some very foundational discussions of depression. I wanted this episode in these early episodes of America WK to kind of lay a foundation of positivity. It's sort of telling my personal story in that I'm someone who's struggled with depression and has worked with positivity as a way to remove that depression. But of course, here we are almost at the end of the show. And all my little notes and topics to discuss ended up taking up the entire time. And for a moment here during the last break, I felt very frustrated with myself that I didn't pace things out better or organize better so that we could discuss positivity. But then, of course, as I realized, we discussed unrequited love. We discussed manners. What else did we talk about? We discussed, well, depression and thinking about the pain of depression as exercise for your soul, like your sore muscles recover from exercise, while your soul and spirit are sore after going through a lot of life, sometimes in a very short time span, and they need to recover and they're, they're sore in that same way. But it's a good soreness because it's the soreness of real growth. It's not the soreness of something being wrong. It might be the source of something being very right. And so we even talked about reincarnation and this idea of thinking of it like a video game where each time, no matter how many times you've played the game, when you start back again, you have to go through all those same steps in those first levels before you get back to the current challenge. In reincarnation, that might be each life. But all of that was supposed to go by very quickly in our discussions on the show today because I really wanted to devote the majority of this episode to the concept of positivity. And here we are nearly at the end, and I felt like I didn't even get into it at all. But I realized the whole show (laughs) has been about positivity. In fact, every episode of America WK, if it could be summed up, really, that's all the show is because that's all I'm ever really interested in focusing on personally. That, I believe, is the... Truth of life, if there ever was to be one. And I think it goes beyond half glass full or half glass empty. Existence by its very nature of existing is positive. Non-existence or total void would be considered negative. And any version of experience that we have has to exist in the opposite of negation of a void In fact, we can't even really imagine a lack to the degree of true nothingness. Even the idea of nothingness is still something. So it has to be positive. It traces back to that. And that doesn't mean it's always cheerful. That doesn't mean it's always a a certain happy kind of feeling. It's a much deeper type of acceptance that goes beyond what I might even describe as happiness. Goes into an acceptance of inherent goodness. That because this thing, this crazy, impossible to describe or even understand thing called life, called being alive, is happening, it has to be good. It might be good in a way that we can't even f- comprehend. In fact, that would explain a lot. It exceeds what we have to work with as human beings right now in our. Ability to comprehend. It can only be felt. And I think that that is the feeling that really is inside all of us. Some of us, it's much easier to locate. Some of us, like myself, it's been much more elusive, much deeper down inside and oftentimes covered up with all kinds of bad feelings. But there's a, uh, an acceptance that even goes beyond belief. It is not type of belief like believing that life is good it is much closer to a knowing a knowing that even exceeds what we might think of as knowledge it's the true truth truth with a capital t that can only be felt and you know it when you feel it hold on to that feeling stay close to that feeling be that feeling and the best part is you can't not be it can only just add a bunch of stuff on top of it and that's what we're trying to clear away we'll get much much more into positivity i have a lot to to talk about just laying the very foundations of these extremely fundamental principles this has been america wk an absolute pleasure my name is andrew wk i love you thank you for being with me don't stop
0: partying a party for being alive this is american wk with andrew wk on the blaze radio network